Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Marnie Swedberg, and I welcome you to Marnie and Friends, a place where leaders share practical, helpful, and encouraging ways to get anything important done faster, better, and smarter. Right now, I encourage you to sit back, buckle up, and join us for fun, laughter, practical help, and clear thinking, the kind of discussion that focuses our attention off of the fluff and onto the most important stuff in life. Again, welcome to Marnie's Friends. Let's get going. Hi, everybody. This is Marnie Swedberg, and I welcome you to another edition of Marnie's Friends Day for Event Planners. So if you are an event planner or thinking about hosting an event, today our guest, Lori DeWitt, is going to help you understand how to organize major women's events. During the next hour, you're going to discover how to start with the end in mind and set exciting yet reasonable goals for your event, how to budget, including important factors you may otherwise forget, and how to prioritize your budget line items. You'll learn easy-to-miss questions you must ask in advance, how to set ticket prices to cover expenses while attracting the largest audience, why communication will make or break the experience for your attendees, volunteers, leadership team, and guest presenters, and how to be sure you nail it, how to market for major impact, the critical step many planners miss, the power of the written word and why you must get everything in writing, how to develop a schedule that will bring peace to the event while maximizing opportunities for all involved, and why it ain't over until it's over, and how to gain the greatest value from post-event activities. Our guest today is Dr. Lori DeWitt. She's an Associate Professor of Communication Arts at Salisbury University and the Founding Executive Director of Faith-Filled Women, an international women's ministry. She's involved in organizing special or several events each year, including an annual regional conference, community service projects, leadership summits, and networking events. Welcome to you, Lori. Thank you, Marty. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you, and it's so fun to be able to share you with this audience because you have really, um, I've been at one of your events, and you've really nailed it. You have really learned how to host a major women's event, and I want I want you to kind of define that for people, what we're talking about here in a couple of minutes, because that's maybe different in different people's minds. But a lot of women's ministry leaders have hosted events for 50 or 100 or whatever, and this is we're, we're going to talk a little bigger today. So maybe just explain what the Faith-Filled Women's event is, and uh, then we'll dive right into the content. Absolutely. Well, four years ago, uh, a group of women in our area got together and decided that we really wanted to find a way for Christian women to connect with each other outside of the kind of the boundaries of the different church denominations and racial groups and ages and stages, um, someplace where everybody could feel comfortable. And so we started doing an annual conference at uh, a local civic center rather than in a church venue. And I got a crash course in learning about event planning. Um, that I had never really done anything on this scale before. You know, uh, the biggest event that I'd ever done in my church was about 100 people. And suddenly, uh, we had 400 women at the door. And it was wow. wonderful and exciting, but also very intimidating uh, when, you know, when first approached with those kinds of numbers. Absolutely. So, and it is... It is a different. It is a different monster at that at that level. It's not quite, not the exact same thing as what it is for a hundred. Absolutely. And and when you, I had done things, you know, in a church before, you know, there were so many things that were already there. I mean, the sound system was already in. Uh, the kitchen was already set up. The you know the facilities were already you know there. 
Um, so suddenly going into uh, a rented venue and dealing with all those expenses and catered food because you couldn't bring in food, you know, it was against health code, um, having to get professional sound equipment, um, you know, finding, you know, speakers that, you know, were um, of a higher caliber than, than what we had been dealing with before. Um, you know, all of those factors uh, were were kind of new. And just dealing with women from all these different backgrounds, they have many different expectations. You know, what one church does in their women's group or women's ministry is very different from another group. And mm-hmm. so meeting all these diverse needs and, and wants and expectations uh, was, was definitely a, a stretch for us at first. And the the glorious thing is that uh, it was so worth worth it. It was so amazing to see these women coming together. Um, mm. I have a great picture on my phone because I keep it very private. But I of these two women who met at the conference who were you couldn't have had two more different women, different backgrounds, different denominations, so very very different walks of life. And at the end of the conference, they pulled each other aside and went back in the corner and prayed together. And I, mm-hmm. and I keep that picture on my phone just because I want to remember why I do what I do. Because when it gets crazy and when it gets hectic, I want to know that what I'm doing has value and is important to these women. And these events are not just a, a fun day, um, but they are a, a real opportunity for personal growth and for meeting new people and you know, really becoming equipped for whatever your purpose is. Oh, I just love that and keeping the focus, the focus. You know, one of the things that you talk about is starting with the end in mind. And mm-hmm. so let's go ahead and talk about that for a minute because it's, it's critical. Absolutely. You know, a lot of times people will say, oh, let's, let's have an event. That would be fun or that would be good. But they don't really stop to think about why, why are we going to have this event? Um, are there women that maybe we haven't been reaching that we think we can reach with this event? Um, Are there topics that we haven't been able to discuss that we now can discuss? Um, You know, what is, what is the goal of this event? And and sometimes we put the goals at at numbers, you know, we say, Oh, we want to have this many people at the event. And that's, that's fine. I mean, that's an easy to measure goal. But I think beyond that, you really have to think about what kind of experience, what do you want these women to take away from this event? And that's going to drive everything you do. Um, Because we wanted to reach women from lots of different churches and backgrounds, we made the conscious decision not to hold our event in a church because we wanted everyone to feel comfortable. So we picked kind of what we call neutral territory um, so that, you know, because that we felt would would increase our opportunity to reach a, a wide diversity of women. Um, we decided that we really wanted these women to talk to each other. We really wanted it to be more than just them sitting and taking notes or, or just listening to a speaker. We wanted them to have plenty of time to interact, and interaction was key. So that made us uh, make the decision to use, you know, to make sure we had a facility that had round tables where people could sit and, and talk to each other rather than, you know, just straight rows like in, a, in an amphitheater. Um, we wanted to build in time in our schedule for those interactions. Um, for our breakout sessions, if we know there's somebody that's going to have a lot of notes, we want to make sure there are tables there. So trying to figure out what, you know, what you want these women to get out of the event is really going to drive 
everything you do uh, in setting up facilities, creating your schedule, knowing uh, what kind of speakers or, or presentations to have, um, that's all going to flow from the goal. So rather than just saying, hey, let's do a women's event because we haven't done one for a while, think about why are you doing it? What's your purpose? And what is it that you really want to get out of this event? For, you know, what's, what's the goal for the women that are going to be coming? And what's kind of a, a hint for setting reasonable goals that are still exciting? I mean, sometimes, you know, the goals just are way too big or um, maybe miss, miss the mark. What, are, what is a tip that you have for somebody there? Well, in, in, in doing a, a, a faith-based event, um, I think that you should always have a goal that scares you at least a little bit. Um, you know, if it's something that you think, oh, you know, we can easily do this, um, then probably your goal isn't quite big enough. Mm. Um, but it also needs to be reasonable in the idea of if you're doing a first time event and, and you want to see a thousand people show up, you're probably setting yourself up for some failure. Um, but if you have a goal that says, you know, I want to be able to reach, you know, at least, you know, 10 different denominations of churches, you know, that's going to that's gonna be a challenge uh, to get into these different groups, um, but it's, it's going to be more attainable and it focuses you on what it is that you need to do. Obviously, I need to be making contacts with those different churches and those different women's groups in order to make that happen. So the goal, to be exciting, a goal's got to be a little bit scary, but it also has to help you focus your energies and attention in the planning and the preparation stages. Awesome. Well, this is Marnie Swedberg. We're visiting today with Lori DeWitt of faithfilledwomen.com. We're going to come right back and talk about budgeting, and that's really important, so don't go away. Christian Women's Events. At womensevents.info, you can find events to attend. Learn how to plan amazing events for your group or publicize your own upcoming Christian women's events. It's all available to you at womensevents.info. Just click your state to find all the major women's events coming to your area or type in the month and year you'd like to attend an event to see all your options nationwide. It's that easy. If you want to promote an event, just click Add Event. Event publicity is available on a per-event basis or free to members. Finally, if you want to learn how to host awesome events, retreats, and well-attended conferences, click Event Planner Training. Once again, it's available a la carte or included in the membership. It's all online and here for you 24-7 anytime you have time at womensevents.info. That's www.womensevents.info. Do you lead a women's Bible study or know someone who does? Check out BibleStudyExpo.com. That's www.BibleStudyExpo.com. Here you'll meet the authors of the most recently released Bible study books for women. You'll meet Liz Curtis Higgs, Lisa DeVere, Pam Farrell, Elisa Morgan, and dozens of other Bible study book authors. Each author is given 15 minutes to share the story behind her book, her ideal audience, and a little bit about the study's format so you can decide which Bible studies you want to introduce next. It's all available to you free and online at www.biblestudyexpo.com. That's www.biblestudyexpo.com. 
Welcome back. This is Marnie, and our guest today, Lori DeWitt, is with us for the topic of event center training, how to organize major women's events. Lori, right before the break, we were talking about setting reasonable goals, and one of the places that people can get really mixed up in and kind of exposed, really, is in the area of money when you're trying to budget mm. and you're guessing. Um, how, do you, how do you think about it? Well, the first thing that I think you, you need to be sure that you are covering all the different budget expenses that you may encounter, um, depending on the venue, um, you may have a, a church or a school that offers you a, a facility for free, um, but you may need to pay a per hour fee for custodial help or uh, event insurance um, for the, you know, for the event. Um, you may need to do, um, if you have some people singing, you may need to get copyright permission for the songs and lyrics. Um, you may have to think about, you know, extra chair or table rentals. Um, you also have the potential for, you know, thinking about, oh, well, we've also got to feed the workers or we've got to, you know, have extra food for these volunteers or whatever. And all of those factors have to be included in the budget. If you have an, a last-minute expense, um, that's really going to throw everything out of whack. So trying to think ahead of all the possible contingencies is really important before you get started. Yeah, and when I wrote the book um, Retreats Made Easy, there's a there's a worksheet in there, an Excel worksheet that lets you mm-hmm. um, put in all of those figures, and then it automatically calculates. You put in how many people you anticipate will come, and it will tell you how much per person then it will need to be. Mm-hmm. You need to do something like that on your own so that you can make sure the expenses are covered. When you're dealing with a lot of people like this, I mean, it's different when you're dealing with 30 or 40 people. When you're dealing with right. this many people, how do you... How do you kind of make sure that your estimate is close to the reality as far as uh, charging the ticket price? Right. And and um, our ticket price uh, question is coming up in a little bit. But the, the, the basic thing is your ticket price either has to cover all of your expenses, your basic expenses. And you've kind of got to figure you have fixed expenses and you have flexible expenses. So if you've got a facility, for example, you maybe have a specific facility expense, which doesn't really change if you have 100, 200, 300 people, um, but you may have to have more workers at different uh, times. Certainly the food, the amount of food changes, but the speaker fees will stay the same regardless of the amount. So you, you take those fixed expenses first, and then you figure the you know what's the lowest number of people that I would need to have to cover these expenses, um, and then you know set your ticket price at, at the lower you know with the lower attendance, and then with the as more people show up, it actually decreases your expenses so you can make a little bit of money that way. But if you are only at break even with 500 people coming through the door, you're potentially setting yourself up for disaster. Right, because in the end, somebody has to pay for it. And if it's not going to be yes. a ticket, it has to come from you or from your ministry somehow. So th- this right. whole budgeting factor is really pretty critical. Now, what happens if, you know, you start working out, okay, this is how much per ticket, and you realize, oh, my goodness, that's way too much. Nobody will come. Um, how do you prioritize the budget line items? Well, the first thing is you've got to – everything's got to come back to that goal, that what kind of experience do you want this to be? And 
so if your your priority is for them to you know have a great worship experience then the color or the 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 elaborateness of the centerpiece on the table probably isn't that important um even though the decorating committee will want that to be really really important um that may not be the most important thing it may be more important uh to restrict the numbers in fact and do it in a smaller venue um so that you're you know you're sure you're going to meet your goal and needs rather than you know shooting for the stars and having a, a ton of people show up it's all got to get back to that goal your priority always has to come to what's going to have the biggest impact for the people that are going to be here um sound is a great example of this it's never you know nobody thinks about sound as far as it's not that big of a deal when when it all works well but if your sound is off if it's not effective that's going to have a, a terrible effect on the experience for your attendees so i would prioritize something like the sound equipment over things like decor or uh goodie bags or things of that nature things that are really nice and the women like but are really not going to affect the quality of the event you know and that really comes back down to the questions that have to be asked in events and you keep going back to this what's the purpose of your event you know that's the key question mm-hmm. are there other questions that you just have to ask early on absolutely and the first one is who is our target audience who are we trying to reach a lot of times you know we'll say something vague like oh it's the ladies from the church or the women in the community um but your efforts are going to be very different if you are trying to get an eclectic group of of women you know of different ages and stages then you want to make sure you've got things for all of those different ages and stages um you know breakout speakers that address needs at those different levels um you know that you're attractive to all of them if you are doing a a thing for young moms that's going to look very different than something that you're doing for women who are maybe uh older or retired or um you know uh, mothers of older kids or you know whether it's focused at at um professional women or you know stay-at-home people you know it's all got to be um you know that target audience is is the number one question but then beyond that you also wanted to think about well what kind of resources do we already have in place you know maybe you don't need a, a national speaker maybe there are people in your community that are incredibly talented and have great messages um that would be a fraction of the cost of of bringing in somebody from the outside um maybe you know uh someone who knows somebody who has an in at a venue um our first venue like i said we started a civic center well it just so happens that the reason we did that was because my friend was the event planner for that venue um you know, so knowing that having that contact so what contacts do you have um what kinds of expertise do you have do you have people that have certain gifts or talents uh you know in your in your team that can uh help you pull things off. So figuring out what your resources are is is very important. And then think about how your physical location is going to affect the event. 
Um, this is kind of a funny one, but especially in Christian circles, like I said, we've been trying to find venues that are outside of a particular church because we wanted to be broad. So one time we tried to do an event at a moose lodge, and we found out that women were not coming because some of them didn't like the fact that the moose lodge does serve alcohol. Now, we, of course, were not having alcohol at our event, um, but just the fact that they associated that location with alcohol, they would not come to an event at that facility, um, which we didn't even think about, you know, when we first started uh, making the plans. Um, So sometimes different locations actually have connotations to your audience that you may not even think about. So, um, you know, all of those kinds of things are, are some questions that you might not readily think about. Yeah, those are great. Those are great. And it really, it brings up the importance of having a team too. Mm-hmm. Uh, the different perspectives, many times when you have a team that's allowed to express their concerns or whatever, some of these things bubble to, uh, not always, but some of them bubble to the surface before you hit the hit the trouble. And, uh, you know, people, it really takes seriously, not that you have to do everything your teammates um, recommend, but to take seriously their input and step back and look at it again and say, oh, you know, we just hadn't really thought about that at all. So I, lo- I love those questions. When it comes That's to ticket prices, uh, um, mm. a lot of it is, again, who do you want to have come? Because, you know, if, you're, if your target audience is, you know, uh, people that have a lot of money, uh, ticket prices aren't going to maybe matter so much. But if you're wanting to include everybody or uh, people with a lower income level, you have to start earlier and you have to set the ticket prices lower. So what have you found, Lori, for ticket pricing? And, of course, you guys listening, you know that you have to go with your own area too. Lori, now you're out on the East Coast. Um, right. And so maybe just talk to us about it from your own experience. Well, the big thing to remember is that ticket prices are like real estate. You know, it doesn't matter how much it costs to build the house. It doesn't matter how much you owe on the house when you go to try and sell it. All it matters is what people are willing to pay. So it is much better to do your homework and look around what are other events of this type, uh, what, what, what are people willing to pay. And if you're doing something that maybe is a little out of the box, a little different than what people have done in the area before, um, you know, talk to people, ask them, you know, what, do you, what would you be willing to pay for this? Um, so doing some homework on, you know, what the market will bear in your area is so critically important. Um, when I was living in the Twin Cities, you know, the women would, you know, had no problem, you know, spending money for retreats or whatever because it was very much part of the culture. Out here on the eastern shore of Maryland, I learned that it was much less common. A lot of women didn't do these kinds of events. And so anything that was more expensive than the free potluck at church, uh, you know, raised some eyebrows with them. You know, they didn't understand why would a church, you know, why would a Christian event cost money? Um, and, and really had to kind of overcome that the first uh, year or so, helping them understand that, you know, we were bringing in speakers and that the, there was a catered lunch and, and putting that promotion in there. But understanding what your market will bear is absolutely critical. It's much more important to know what uh, ticket prices you can uh, charge rather than just the cost of the event. I mean, the two have to kind of work in tandem. But then also, if, like here, 
we've gotten to a point where our ticket prices can't cover all the expenses of the event. So we have to look at alternate things. We have to look at, you know, trying to get sponsors, advertisers for our programs. Um, we have vendors at our events that, that pay a fee to be there for the vending. Um, those, you know, are ways to kind of supplement the income uh, from the ticket sales when the ticket sales fall short. And it costs us probably about 50 to $60 per person to put on our event but our base ticket price is only $40 because that's that's the sweet spot. That's the amount people will pay. So we had to look mm -hmm. at, okay, what are some alternatives that we can do to, to subsidize that? Because we know that if we go in and charge that $60, uh, we're not going to have the, the attendance. Mm -hmm. Such great advice. Well, this is Marnie Swedberg. We're visiting today with Dr. Lori DeWitt. We'll be right back and talk about why communication will make or break the experience, how to market for major impact, and the critical steps many planners miss. We'll be right back. Womenspeakers.com is the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, featuring over 1,700 women speakers from every experience level, denomination, and fee range, some near you. Visit Womenspeakers.com to find the perfect speaker for your next event or to get training to be a speaker, author, or media personality. All training and connections occur online anytime you have time. Find a speaker, add a speaker, or become a speaker at www.womenspeakers.com. Are you enjoying every single bite eating with God? If not, visit www.eatingwithgod.com. That's eatingwithgod.com. Discover the easiest, most enjoyable way to move from where you are with food today to where God wants you to be in His perfect time and way. There are free daily bite recordings available to you at www.eatingwithgod.com or you can purchase the entire set of Daily Bites, 31 individual daily MP3 words of encouragement, plus the book, Gasping for Grace, 31 daily devotionals for discouraged dieters. To start moving toward your God-given ideal weight, visit www.eatingwithgod.com. That's www.eatingwithgod.com. Welcome back. This is Marnie, and you've joined us today for Event Planner Training with Lori DeWitt, How to Organize Major Women's Events. Lori, let's talk about communication because um, a lot of leaders, a lot of leaders who aren't very experienced in something like this tend to either micromanage too much or else just kind of assign and forget about it. <laughs> and there's, there is really kind of like you're talking about a sweet spot with the money. There's a sweet spot with communication too and with uh, checking back with people. So maybe let's talk about that. Absolutely. Well, you want to make sure that any of your communication from you know, flyers for the event um, to, you know, information for your volunteers, information for speakers, information for workers, um, you know, is, is all containing all the vital information. You remember, you know, back in high school English, they talk about the W's, you know, the where, what, when, why, who. And that was doing that how. I don't know why they didn't ever come up with a good way to add the H. Um, but, but those things are really important. You can never assume... For example, you might put on your flyer that the event starts at 5, but people want to know, well, when are the doors open? So you need to let them know, when can they actually get in? Um, for vendors, they're going to want to know, well, how much time am I going to have for setup? Is there going to be electrical outlets? Um, do you have ex extension cords? You know, all of those kinds of things. It's, it's so helpful to have them written down. 
and to give that information out um, to all my group leaders, um, people that are, are going to be vendors or speakers, I always make sure to include you know all that kind of detail in an overview letter that I you know email to them at least twice before the event. So uh, you know maybe you know a month ahead and then the week ahead. Um, and I always include my phone number because I always get questions. Even if I write things out, I need to be available for people to ask questions. Um, and sometimes they'll come up with ones that stump you. Like I, this last year, I started getting questions about you know gluten-free options uh, in in the dining choices. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that I didn't anticipate. So making sure they have ways to contact you and and get information that you don't realize that they need. I love that and. One of the things that I've learned is that if you get a question from somebody and then you get a question from that same question again, then add it to your communique. Because if one person asks, probably 15 people wonder about it. And it's Absolutely. easier to just get it into the communique right away. So how about yep. the leadership team? When you have, a, like you talked earlier about your decorating mm-hmm. committee or you know your marketing committee or whatever. So once you assign a committee a project, how much checking in do you do with them? Well, I think the first thing is that we discuss, you know, what are the parameters? Like, let's take the decorating committee, for example. Um, we would make sure that we understand very clearly, you know, if there is a theme or what their budget is and, and things of that nature so that they know kind of the the, the space that they can operate in. Um, but then I really try to let them come up with their own ideas and not, you know, tell them what colors to use or tell them, you know, that I expect, you know, this, this, and this. And and let them come back with their ideas and their and, – and usually I like to ask them for two options uh, and have them bring that to the committee. And so it's not just me coming in and saying, yes, this is good or this isn't good. You know, it, it they have ownership and the whole committee has feedback uh, on things like that. So giving people very specific tasks then letting them run with them, and then having them bring it back to the to the committee uh, at a specific date really helps you kind of follow up and know what's going on without constantly feeling like you have to remind everybody. It's really one of the greatest benefits of having frequent meetings coming up to a major event is that there mm-hmm. are also frequent deadlines. <laughs> if you have a committee who's always missing deadlines, well, that's a really good heads up for you. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm, that's great. Well, how about with the speakers, with the presenters? The biggest thing with presenters is making sure you you ask them a lot of questions. You know, what are their needs? Um, are they going to need a, a, a projector for a PowerPoint presentation? Um, do they need Internet access? Do they need a computer or are they bringing their own? Uh, do they need copying for handouts or those kinds of things? If you don't ask the questions, you don't get the information. And that can throw everything into a tizzy at the last minute when somebody comes in that morning wanting 300 copies of a handout um, when you are you know, trying to greet people coming in and attendees. Um, and, and that miscommunication there can really set a negative tone for the that speaker, uh, and also just add to your own stress. And then how, how, how early do you bring in the volunteers? 
a lot of times, you know, you, we have our core team uh, that, you know, works together uh, pretty much throughout the year uh, to, to set up this event. Mm-hmm. Um, we probably don't tap our volunteers uh, until about a month out. Um, one, because people will often commit quickly and then have other things show up. Um, but also, I think, it, and, and we don't put out general calls for volunteers. Uh, we shoulder tap. We find, you know, who do you know that would be good at this? Who do you know that would be good at that? So that they're not just people, you know, uh, that we don't know uh, coming in, that we don't really have a relationship with. Uh, by asking for people that we know and have a relationship with, that really helps us, um, you know, get really great committed people um, that help us on the day of the actual event. Yeah, that's awesome. And then do you have a full group volunteer meeting or do you meet with the different ones for the different aspects independently? The different um, leaders for different groups, like we have a prayer team uh, that they have a leader. We have uh, some um, hospitality people. They have a leader. Um, Most of it's done through email. Um, just because we find that a lot of people don't have time for extra meeting. Um, But we also try and bring them in. We try and have everybody in at least an hour before the doors open um, for for a final, you know, kind of everybody getting on the same page. Everybody gets a copy of the detailed schedule. Everybody gets a copy of of the plan for the day. Everyone knows who to contact if they have a problem come up. And everyone has clear expectations for what it is that they're doing and when they're doing it um, that has already been sent to them. And they get a copy of that again that day. I love it. I think one of the mistakes that's been happening in these recent years now is too many meetings. And people are super busy. And so if you can get more more, um, focused in the time that you have them and use that time real wisely – the one thing is they'll be able to volunteer, and the second thing is that they will be able to volunteer again next year. <laughs> so yes. I think it's just yes. critical, just critical that you get this communication key down and really, you know, communicate as much as necessary, but don't overly communicate. Is there anything else Absolutely. there that you wanted to mention before we move on? Um, no, I just think that always make sure that I think if you are going to err, err on the side of over communicating. Um, mm-hmm rather than under-communicating. Yeah. Yep. And don't expect people to read everything that you send them because most people mm-hmm. don't. <laughs> yeah, you've you got to keep your communication very specific. <laughs> it is much better to go with a few quick bullet points than, you know, two paragraphs. So, so yes, keeping that communication that. very specific, you, you know, what they need, you know, and make it very easy for them to look, scan, and look at quickly. Well, one of the things that you've done that I just love so much, and I know we've done it here too, is really incorporate a lot of denominations and to mm-hmm. bring really reach out past the church walls. So what are the ways that you've marketed to, uh, you hear my train in the background here, uh, to, to allow for that to happen? You know, in this age of, of social media and everything, I think a lot of people think, well, we'll just, we'll make a Facebook page and, We'll put up some posters and people will come. And what we've really learned is that there is nothing more powerful than a face-to-face invitation. Um, Most of our attendees are from groups 
so a church will get an entire group of women and bring them to the conference. So the the key is to find the key people in these different denominations and churches and then give them material, handouts, uh, and, and information so that they can then go back and disperse that information at their church. Um, of course, we still do the social media and the Facebook page and the event page and all those kinds of things. We have a website. But it's that one-on-one contact that really makes a difference. And making sure that those people have a simple flyer in their hands. Um, and we tend to use half-sheet flyers um, because they're just easier for women to stick in a person. They just are, are handier and cheaper. Um, and and those, you know, I spend $50 for 500 of those full-color flyers, and I can get, that's where I get the biggest bang for my buck in in marketing these events. So trying to do it through announcements or Facebook or things like that, any kind of depersonalized way uh, will get you a certain amount of attendees, but that one-on-one invite, that is that is key. So when you send packages to churches, or do you, or do you have them hand delivered? How do you how do you attract the churches that maybe don't have someone on your committee? You know, I haven't had real good success at attracting actual churches. You know, we've sent out mailers to mm-hmm. churches and got zero response. But mm-hmm. when I ask women in my team, okay, who do you know? What churches do they mm-hmm. go to? And we we do it, it's kind of like in in research we call it snowball sampling. You know, I go with who I know, and then I ask them to share it with who they know, and they share it with who they know. And that has been much more effective because you might have somebody that's, quote, unquote, in charge of the the leadership at the church, um, you know, a women's ministry leader or something like that. But yet you have another woman in the church who's actually really the opinion leader and that everybody Mm -hmm. kind of looks to. And once you tap into that that leader organizer, whether it's a formal title or not, you tap into that formal uh, organizer, man, that just makes all the difference. We have churches that are bringing, you know, 20, 30, 50. We have one church already that has ordered 60 uh, tickets for our our conference that is not until next year. Um, So that that is a powerful tool. And that's, again, it's word of mouth. It's connecting with these people through who do you know, who do you know, who do you know. Yeah, I love that. And that's what we've certainly found here, too, is that the word of mouth. And especially if you can say, come, I'm going. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then they're going to have to feel like I'll be by myself. At least I'll know somebody. You know, Absolutely. That, uh, Women like to do so things true. in groups. They, Women do. Like we to don't do even like to go to the bathroom by ourselves. <laughs> it's a funny thing. So, yeah, absolutely. That word of mouth thing is so important. Well, what is the critical step that many planners miss? You know, it's give people incentives for getting their tickets early, for committing early. Whether you do it with um, an early bird ticket price, um, which, you know, I find we we absolutely swear by. That makes everything different. Our ticket sales, that last week, right before the the price, that's when we do 80% of our ticket sales. Um, They just go through the roof that week. Um, And that gives us a really good number for what we know we're going to have at the event. So giving them an early bird uh, price with the groups, giving them an incentive like uh, you can do a discount, but what we've done instead of a discount is we give them reserve tables. 
know, giving them an incentive to get in early makes your life, your planning so much easier. Because if you don't know until the last few days before the conference how many people are showing up, um, or worse yet, you don't have any way of knowing and you're just expecting them to show up at the door, um, you are, are really flying blind. So the earlier you can get them committed, and committed actually means money. You know, just signing up on a sheet does not commit people. And I know, especially with church events, we say, oh, but we don't want to charge for this. Um, if, if it's, you don't want to charge, then, then have more people volunteering. Have them commit to something um, very specific. Even when they buy tickets, about 10% of people don't show up. And, and a lot of times it's very valid reasons. Um, but if you don't know ahead of time, uh, you're really setting yourself up for a lot of stress uh, at the last minute. Hmm, I love that. I love that. Well, this is Marnie Sleberg visiting today with Dr. Lori DeWitt of faithfilledwomen.com. We're going to come back and talk about the power of the written word and why you must get everything in writing, how to develop a mm-hmm. schedule that will bring peace to your event while maximizing opportunities, and why it isn't over when it's over. We'll be right back. What's your next step? Are you tired of scouring the internet to find the training you need to take you from where you are today to where you want to be? Stop searching and start moving towards your goals with over 150 targeted training modules available to you at Marnie.com. You can learn how to speak, how to write, how to get published, how to get media coverage, and so much more. All available at Marnie.com. That's M-A-R-N-I-E.com. money troubles got you down? Visit www.godlywealth.com to discover the fastest way to financial peace. You'll gain perspective, biblical training, and clear direction to help you move from terrified to triumphant. It's all free and available to you online at www.godlywealth.com. Not only will you learn a balanced, godly perspective about money, but you'll also enjoy scripture set to music, a wealth roster worksheet, and much more, all free and online at www.godlywealth.com. That's www.godlywealth.com. Welcome back, Mrs. Marnie. We had a little hiccup there in the system, but we're back with you and with our guest today, Dr. Lori DeWitt. Talking about event planner training, how to organize major women's events. Lori, let's go ahead and talk about the power of the written word and why you must get everything in writing. You know, it, I think sometimes we hesitate to, you know, to hand people guidelines or to give them a contract um, because we feel like, oh, you know, I don't want to offend them or I, I don't want to make them uncomfortable. And, you know, and besides, we're all Christians, we're all, you know, good people, and so we don't need to do this. But but what you're doing is you're really adding anxiety uh, when you don't give things, you know, write out things specifically and when you don't try and get that information in writing from the people that you're dealing with. So, for example, if you're dealing with a, a vendor or a venue uh, for something, you want to make sure you understand every single charge that they're going to be uh, giving you. You don't want any surprises in that. You want to know, what are they responsible for? What are you responsible for? If you uh, bring in vendors, 
you want to clearly explain to them what they, you know, what you are going to do for them as vendors and and what you expect them to do. How long do you expect them to be open? When do you expect them to have setup done by? Um, you know, what are what are the fees involved for for things? Uh, will you um, make announcements for them during the during the event, um, or are you not doing that? Um, you know, spelling these things out in advance. Um, again, just really helps decrease the stress that you will have during that day because there won't be surprises. And surprises in event planning are horrible. So you don't want those. So anything that you can have cleared up beforehand is going to be that much, many fewer things that you'll have to deal with on the day of the event. I think the other thing that we can encourage you about is that the more of a professional you're working with, whether it's a vendor or a speaker or whatever, the more accustomed they are already to this. This will not be a surprising request on your part to have everything written down. Absolutely. And so you can just be really confident that if they're comfortable with it, you know, okay, they've been around the block a few times and this is a person who's really going to add value here. Right. And if they're not, then this is a good opportunity for them uh, to kind of up their game and to see, well, what is expected in a more professional setting. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, it is really important because there are so many details that if you don't have, mm-hmm. you know, like even for me, Lori, as a speaker, I have a confirmation sheet that goes through the different things. You know, for example, will the venue be able to record me and then sell mm-hmm. my recording? You know, I mean, a lot of people have different rules about these things, and you need to know those things well in advance. Absolutely. You know, is the, is the speaker going to sell books? She needs to know that and, and what your rules are about that. So all of these things, Absolutely. the more you can know them in advance, the, the happier your day will go. Absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, and you are, a, you are a master. You have really learned a lot about scheduling the day to mm-hmm. allow for people to move between the sessions and to uh, mm-hmm. actually have time to enjoy it without feeling so pressured or getting way behind. So talk to us about scheduling and some of the things that you've learned from that, about that. Absolutely. Well, especially when dealing with women's events, um, I think uh, scheduling a women's event is very different than scheduling a men's event. Um, you need to be, you know, you need to build in time for them to, you know, to talk. Uh, you know, they're not going to get up from their tables and go directly to the breakout. You know, they're going to stop at the bathroom. They're going to talk to their friends about which breakout session are they going to. You know, they're going to compare notes. They're going to, you know, these, they have to have some time for that. So you have to, you know, kind of plan for those kinds of, you know, um, experiences uh, when they're when they're eating. You know, they do not rush through a buffet line. Um, men, you know, tend to go through, grab and go. Uh, women like to discuss the food, you know. Um, you know, what they like, what they don't like, uh, you know, oh, that's the same kind of salad my Aunt Ruth makes. You know, they, they have conversations. So you need to build some time in for that. In your program, you need to give your attendees uh, an, an, a general uh, outline of the day so that they kind of have, they know what is expected. And you need to point this out to them several times during the day. Okay, we are going to have lunch now until 2 o'clock or whatever it is. Um, and, and keep them aware and keep them on time. But it's more important to have a very detailed timeline that you give to all your workers, um, the sound people, the, the venue people, the uh, people volunteers that are helping with the hospitality, the speakers, 
um, the servers, everybody that's involved needs a copy of a very detailed schedule. And I mean minute by minute. So, you know, 9.15, this person is going to be speaking. At 9, you know, they're going to introduce the speaker. At 9.17, this speaker is going to start. And it seems really, you know, kind of ridiculous to be that, that persnickety. But when you break it down like that, you start understanding exactly how much time is needed for everything. Obviously, you can't just have a speaker up for an hour and not account for the time that you need to introduce them or not account for the time that you need to give directions for getting their lunch or or whatever. So when you make that kind of specific, detailed schedule, that's really going to help you think through the motion of the day. And I mean minute by minute by minute, and everything is included, everything from announcements, um, giving time for breaks, uh, giving time for people to get back into the room, uh, time for the buffet lines, all of those things have to be accounted for. And then you've got to stick to it. Um, it really frustrates speakers and other performers when suddenly their part gets cut or they um, you know, don't have the time that they, they expected to have. And that can really throw off the whole day. And people make plans. If you say your event goes to 5 o'clock, you need to be done at 5 o'clock. Um, I was recently at an event, and it was 45 minutes later that we actually got dismissed. And what happened is that last 45 minutes, you know, the speaker was trying to speak, but people were filtering out because they had to get home to babysitters. They had to get home to things. Right. You know, it, it, it just ends everything on a bad note if, you, if you things feel rushed or feel, things feel like, you know, they're just going on and on. So, you know, make sure somebody is watching the time, watching the clock. You know, don't wait till everybody sits down and gets quiet before you start the music. You need to get the music started right on time. Um, and so having that kind of schedule, and like I said, that's only for the people behind the scenes. That's not, you don't give a detailed schedule like that to attendees. Um, because then you'll get somebody there that's actually watching to see, oh, no, it's 7.05, <laughs> you know, you're not doing this. But but all your workers, all your people have got to be on track of knowing exactly what's expected and when. I like to use the analogy of a TV show. I mean, when you mm-hmm. expect the TV show to come on at 7 p.m., you schedule in your life around 7 p.m. so you can get there and watch it, you know, whatever it is, you know, presidential debate or whatever it is, you know it's on at that time. You come on that time and you know what you're going to do after it's over. And it's really like that. You figure 300 people, if you're a minute late, that was five hours. If you take one minute times 300 people, you're five hours late. <laughs> so, right. You know, oh, you're no. Just, you're real you really want to be on time, and I just I just love that. Such good counsel, and it's so important. And if, you know, if someone does end up using more time, well, then somewhere else has to shift for it. Somebody else has to pay, pay back. Right, and, somebody but somebody has to be making those decisions. So you right. have somebody right. that's running things that, you know, if, okay, uh, you know, wow, the speaker just went 10 minutes over. Okay, praise team, you've you, you got to cut one of your numbers you know, or, or whatever, you've got to have somebody that's making those decisions um, and and not just kind of assuming. But generally, I find that when you really share that kind of detailed information with people, people tend to stick to their to their time slot. And that's super, super helpful. Yeah. And part of the reason that they do is because they can tell it's important to you. If you put down, mm-hmm. you know, all of those detailed minutes, 
that yeah, everybody knows, oh, this must be important or she wouldn't have bothered to do it this way. Yeah. Right. Love it, love it. Let's talk right. about what starting, happened. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go oh, ahead. I was just going to say one more thing. Starting on time is also, I mean, that sets the tone for the entire day. So, you know, and when people are supposed to be fed, they want to be fed on time. So, uh, you know, realize that it, it really does set the tone for the whole day if you can, you know, follow that schedule. Yeah, to the the training the training paradigm that says leaders, mm-hmm. uh, you will get what you model, and so starting on time is going to help the whole day go on time. Love that. Why isn't it over when it's over? What happens after the event, Lori? Well, first of all, you know it's it's very rare. I think that you would go into doing an event thinking it is the one and only time you're ever going to do an event. You know, you learn from every event that you orchestrate. Um, you you gain so much knowledge and wisdom, and it, it's so helpful to one get feedback from the attendees, um, and we do that with a simple you know fill in form uh, that we give to our attendees. We give it to them in both the breakouts and overall, um, and we really are very careful about what questions we ask. We don't say, well, did you like the event? Because I mean they could say yes, I love the event, but that doesn't really tell us what we want to know. Which we want to know is you know, what did they get out of the event? Or are they gonna are they planning on coming back next year? You know, that's a much better measure of, of information. Um so we give them some places to, you know, to just check a box, uh, like the quality of the food or, you know, uh did they feel like they got to the breakouts that they wanted to get to. Um, you know, so some are just check boxes, but some other places we open it up um to, to get feedback on, like, what kind of topics would you like to hear about next year? Um, you know, what were your expectations coming in? Or, you know, those kinds of things, just opening it up to, to get some real information. So getting the feedback from attendees is huge. Um, but it's also really important to debrief with your team afterwards. You think you're going to remember every crazy thing that happened um, but I think kind of like childbirth, uh, you know, you, you suddenly forget things really quickly. This is why we have more than one child. Um, but but if we don't kind of write down, you know, our insights that we get right away, and I say, you know, within the week, you really need to get back with your team and, and debrief and let people talk about, well, what did you see? What What worked? And make sure you focus on the what worked part. Um, before you you start nitpicking at at things that went wrong. And things will go wrong. There is no perfect person. There's no perfect event. Um, And so, you know, give yourself grace that there's going to be some some hiccups. So how did you deal with them? What could you do with that in the future? How could it be prevented? If so, you know, make a note so that you make sure you do that next year. Um, So getting that debriefing time is so important because, your we learn by you know our experiences, and if we don't learn you know take the time to really let that learning sink in, we're gonna be making the same mistakes over and over and over again uh so if you want to get better it's it's very critical that you analyze what happened, what went right, what didn't, what could we do better in the future. These are, are key questions that everyone in the team should be involved in in giving feedback so that, you know, and, and it's helpful for them, too, to get feedback um, so they know, you know, how can they do their part better 
next year. Yeah, absolutely. I love to um, starting to promote the next year at this year's event. That's one of my favorites. Oh yes, my favorite marketing tool is to start early. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. And the more that you have planned in advance, the mm-hmm. better your sales and marketing will be. This year, for the first time, we were able to announce who the speaker was going to be the follow, you know, next year at our previous conference. And so we've started booking our speakers about 18 months in advance. Um, and by t- our, our ticket sales, our advanced ticket sales on the day of our conference for the next year doubled I by our that. being able to do that. So the more information you have in place, you know, you should, if you're doing an annual event, you should absolutely be promoting the date. Uh, where is it going to be, you know, those kinds of things, even if you don't have everything in place, promote as much as you can, um, especially for an annual event. If you're trying to do something, um, you know, that's that's more frequently than annual, it's even more important for you to give people a calendar of events. You know, what other things are you going to do? Because we, in addition to our conference, we do Bible studies, we do other things during the year. So we need to be able to announce those at the conference for the entire year coming up. Right, I love that. And then if your if your speaker has written a Bible study, to encourage mm-hmm. the local church women's groups to go through that study before she comes really is another fantastic way to um, increase by and and every it just gets everybody's hearts ready. You know, it gets their heads ready too and their finances ready, but it also gets their hearts ready to really go deeper with her when she's there. Mm-hmm. So that's another great way. Lori, what is a, real quickly here, what is a way that you say thank you? Thank you to your volunteers or thank you to your committee. Do you have do you have a thank you practice in place? <laughs> um, actually my my committee um comes we do the debrief at my house and I cook dinner for them um and love on them uh for the evening and you know uh try to to, to make it as, as personal and warm as possible. Um, you know, we, we definitely do uh, thank you notes to um, workers and volunteers and, and things of that nature. Um, and each team head is responsible for their group, you know, following up with them. And, and that's huge. Um, with our um, breakout speakers and our keynote speakers, we share with them in our thank you, we also share with them the feedback that we got on their presentation. Um, because not only is that a, a great acknowledgement of what they did, but it's valuable to them as well. So these are ways that we can, you know, uh, maintain our relationships with people over over time. Yeah, that's great. Well, this hour has flown by and you've shared so much great information. Lori, thank you so much for being here today. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Marnie. You're going to want to go over and check out... um, the faithfilledwomen.org, or sorry, faithfilledwomen.com website, yes. as well as over at marnie.com. There's also more uh, event planner training over there. Thanks for being here. You guys have a great rest of the day, and we'll see you next time. Okay, bye-bye.